Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and co-CEO of MindBuddyGreen and your host for the MindBuddyGreen podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please consider giving us a five-star review and comment. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness and make sure to check out all of our great offerings, including our online classes and trainings. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Hi, I'm Jason Wacob, founder and CEO of Mind Buddy Green, the best-selling author of Wealth, and your host for the Mind Buddy Green podcast, where I'll be bringing you deep and insightful dialogues with some of the greatest minds in wellness. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment, and share with your friends and family. And don't forget to visit us at mindbuddygreen.com for your daily dose of wellness. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Ben Greenfield is an ex-bodybuilder, Ironman triathlete, obstacle course racer, human performance consultant, speaker, and author of 13 books, including the New York Times bestseller, Beyond Training. He has a great class on MindBuddyGreen called The 7-Day Full Body Reboot, which everyone should check out, and is one of the leading voices in wellness when it comes to all things performance. Ben, welcome. Thank you. Finally at my buddy Green headquarters. I felt very important when I walked in and there was my name on the blackboard. You are very important. That's that's right. Well, uh, (laughs) we love you. We love all the work you're doing. And it's great to finally have you here in the office. Thank you. And so your guy is at the forefront. You're always one step ahead of of where food is going, nutrition, the trends and wellness. I was going to say the buck stops there. Fashion, (laughs) definitely not. Pop culture. Fashion, all all good. All good. So what what are you eating these days? Like, what's a day in the life of, of Ben Greenfield now in terms of just food, diet, food nutrition? Like, yeah. from waking up to going to bed, what does that look like? Sure. Uh, as many people are aware of these days, that whole idea of a compressed feeding window and what it can do for your longevity and for shutting down inflammation and for enhancing focus and you know, the production of, of your own ketones without having to go out and buy a $40 bottle of ketones. You know, it's a, uh, there, there's so many benefits to this concept of a compressed feeding window that I certainly do focus on that. So when I wake up, I generally don't eat anything until about 10 a.m. You know, and, and we have a late dinner at our house. That's not, if you look at, you know, Ayurvedic medicine or traditional Chinese medicine or even some of the modern circadian rhythm studies favorable for sleep. But when you look at the blue zones, right, one of, one of the top things in addition to legumes and wild plant intake and not smoking and low-level physical activity outdoors is their social life, right? Breaking bread at the end of the day together as a family in a social environment and with my kids in jiu-jitsu and tennis and piano and, you know, the family spread to the four corners of the planet all throughout the day. We generally don't really meet together at the end of the day for a family dinner until around 8 p.m., sometimes later. But despite that not being so hot for circadian rhythm and, you know, some of the things that happen when you go to bed with a belly full of food, to me, the pros of a family dinner coming together and we open our gratitude journals and we hang out and we talk about the day and we play table topics cards or break out, you know, exploding kittens or bears versus babies or whatever else the other kids want to do. Um, I think the pros of that outweigh any cons of eating late. So we eat late, but that means I also, I wait a long time in the next day to eat. And when I do eat, uh, I, 
I used to just kind of be on the, you know, like the green smoothie or, you know, superfood smoothie bandwagon, but I'm a little bit bigger fan now of eating based on the seasons. Meaning, for example, in the fall and the winter, I'm becoming a bigger fan of bone broths and stews. And, you know, I like this, uh, another Ayurvedic cleansing recipe called kitchari, which is like a split mung bean and basmati rice stew with a lot of of anti-inflammatories like ginger and cumin and coriander and fennel and digestifs in it and I'll have that with a little bit of coconut yogurt but I'll have that warm right and it's something warm and kind of stewy in the fall and winter but then in the spring and the summer something lighter and cooler so this idea of seasonal variety uh, it ties in quite well to this concept too of feast famine cycling right like having certain periods of time during the week or during the month or during the year where you eat food and calories ad libitum right and Mm -hmm. then certain periods of time where you restrict calories uh, but ultimately, my my favorite meal is the smoothie. Um, you know, I, I know it's a cop out. It's, it's it doesn't take a lot of of cookery, but I I tend to choose a lot of things that would be uh, considered to be I, I guess what you might call like anti aging or longevity based ingredients in my smoothie. So uh, I'll typically just grab a handful of things. Uh, we live out in the forest, so I try and get some wild plants like wild nettle or wild mint, or I'll go out to the garden and get some kale or bok choy or Swiss chard, some cilantro, parsley, thyme. I'll usually try to select like five to seven different varietals. Uh, you know, we, we know that plants, uh, they produce a xenohormetic benefit, meaning that these wild plants that are bitter that are sour, that are that are ugly. You know the the you know uh, ugly ass tomatoes and apples. You know we know that they're far higher in antioxidants than some of the beautiful produce that you get at the grocery store. So I go out of my way to, to choose from from our land and our garden as much as possible. But I'll just choose whatever looks good and throw it in the blender. And I'll I'll choose things like uh, uh, cacao powder and aloe vera gel, uh, coffee berry fruit extract colostrum, chlorella, spirulina. I have all these little powders in the pantry, and so I'll just select. It's not the same every day. You know, sometimes I want green. Some days I want a little bit more berry and red, and so I'll put beets and, um, you know, like, like red juice and things like that in there, you know, blueberry powder, strawberry powder. There's a molecule, a new molecule they found in that called fisetin, which acts very similar to these things called sirtuins that you would find in blueberries and red wine and dark chocolate. Very similar anti-aging or longevity effect from wild strawberries. So strawberries, pomegranate, anything like that. I blend it all up with ice. And I'll usually so you don't use, do uh, almond milk or water. It's well, ice. well, no, I use ice, but but for my medium, for my liquid medium, uh, there's there's two things I'll typically use: either bone broth, so I'll use like a good organic bone broth, or there's uh, you, you're no doubt familiar with this this current infatuation in in the supplement industry with with what's called NR or nicotinamide riboside. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of stories going on right now about you know enhanced longevity for the price of a cup of coffee, which Technically, it's, it's more than the price of a cup of coffee, but, but these molecules are becoming quite popular. They're taken orally, or there are these NAD injection clinics now popping up all over the place. And uh, it, there, there's a, a staggering body of research on its ability to do things like enhance your own endogenous stem cell production or to, uh, to degrade or, or to, to slow down the degradation of mitochondria, damage to mitochondrial membranes, etc. But it's an expensive supplement, and it's mm-hmm. an even more expensive injection. There are molecules called beta-lapachines, and these actually simulate what NR does and what NAD does, and there's a tea called Paudiarcobarc tea. 
uh, and powdery arco bark tea you can you can make and keep in your refrigerator and glass mason jar and it, you're getting a lot of the same benefits of spending a lot of money on one of these supplements or doing the injections but you can use that as a base for the smoothie as well so those are the two top things i'll use either bone broth or powdery arco bark tea got it pour it in there i blend it up and i blend it for a long time because i like it to get the consistency of like a like a wendy's frosty so i blend and blend and blend <laughs> and then once it's done and it's like ice cream uh and I, I do use a lot of uh a lot of organic stevia like vanilla stevia or butterscotch stevia i, I don't mind the flavor of stevia i know a lot of people are partial yeah. to like a controversy like yeah. that you know like a good organic stevia you know there's there's some bigger companies that are now adding malt no, no to their coconut stevia. sugar you do stevia. i don't I, I i really don't mind stevia you know, okay. and uh, I know part of it's a taste preference. Some people find it to be very bitter, but I love it. I travel with stevia. I'm on the airplane. I put stevia in sparkling water, and you know, drink it like a like a vanilla cream soda. And just I'm, I'm I'm addicted to stevia. I can think of worse addictions. But uh, I blend it all up, and then uh, I I pour it into a mug, and I I always add you know kind of like an acai bowl. I'll add coconut flakes on top, or cacao nibs, or goji berries, and then I, I will spend the first 45 minutes or so of my work day just reading research journals and articles, but it's always kind of hovered over my smoothie. I make it so thick I can eat it with a spoon, and I no just sit there, sit there with my smoothie. I do have a cup of coffee. I have a cup of coffee when I wake up, but I don't consider it food. I don't, I don't put, do in, do don't put any black? calories in it because, it, you know, any calories you put in coffee will break you out of a fast. So that, that was one of um, my questions. They, so they it, will. Anything caloric will. Dr. Sachin Panda, who wrote the book The Circadian Code, goes so far as to say anything you taste, period, would break you out of a fast, even if it's acaloric. You know, and and what he means by that is when you consume anything that that tastes, period, coffee, stevia, anything, whether it does or does not have calories, that it causes this incretin hormone response. It kind of primes your gut to begin to digest food. It might spark the appetite. It might slow down some of those autophagy mechanisms that you want to be active, those cellular cleanup mechanisms you want to be active during fasting. So if I have grass-fed ghee in the morning at my coffee that technically in your opinion that breaks the fast it it breaks the fast what i encourage people to do is first of all i've seen zero research including dr ponda's research that if it's black and doesn't have calories in it whether it's coffee or tea that it really truly is going to disrupt a fasted state it's non-insulinogenic you don't see a spike in in or, or, or a drop in for example blood ketones if you're measuring that you see a spike in blood glucose that's, that's a, a lot of people aren't aware of that. When you drink a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. you get this big spike in blood glucose. But that's not because you're consuming glucose. It's because your liver releases a little bit in response to the coffee. And it's a very short-lived spike. If you've ever tested your blood glucose levels after a cup of coffee, they go up, but they come back down pretty and, quickly. And is there, are you defining, a, is a fast to you 14 hours at the minimum or 12 hours? And We know that the magic kicks in close to the 12-hour mark. We know that a lot of the longevity and autophagy benefits kick in past the 16-hour mark. And so ideally, you want to shoot for 16 hours. For me, I'm, I'm still competing as a pro athlete. I'm you know, crushing it every day, either on the weights or you know, my workouts are pretty difficult. For me to go 16 hours without eating, what I find is that my, my workouts that day are not that great. Right. So for me, 12 to 14 hours is pretty good when I'm traveling, when I'm sedentary, when I've got an easy day, then I'll go 16 hours. And sometimes I'll do dinner to dinner, right? Saturday dinner to Sunday dinner of a fast. Uh, but that, that return to the coffee piece, if it's black, 
uh, or if it's green tea or something like that, you're not going to see a spike in insulin. It's it's really not going to take you out of a fasted state or, you know, some people say take you out of ketosis. It's not going to do that. But once you add, you know, even even a spoonful of MCT oil or, or ghee or anything like that to the coffee, that's calories. Yep. I mean, no matter any way you look at it, if you put that cup in a bomb calorimeter, you know, it, it, it's going to generate heat. And in your body, it's going to generate ATP. And anything that does that is fuel you have to burn before you tap into your own fatty acids. What if you're taking supplements in the morning? If you're taking well, yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. The it it depends. If you look at the ingredient label of capsules, because I know people who are taking, and, and this is not uncommon, you know, thirty capsules in the morning, or uh, you know, or or soft gels, or you know, right. whatever, whatever, you know, powders, things like that. So if I take an omega three in the morning, do I blow it up? If you look at omega threes, you have a handful of omega threes. It's like 80, 90 calories. Right. So it's so, the calories that blows right. up fasting. Exactly. So, so what I do is anything that doesn't have calories in it, uh, any uh, you know, like nasal delivery mechanism, like I do a little bit of intranasal NAD for, for a supplement, or uh, something like, um, what would be another example, you know, creatine, I even save that. That's in my, my morning smoothie. There's not that many supplements that I take in the morning when I first get up. I take some supplements with breakfast. Because it Got enhances it. the absorption, anyways. But up until then, just a cup of black coffee. That's it. it. Nothing in the coffee. Okay. And um, and then I have the smoothie. And I'm a big big fan of this idea of you know like Cal Newport's book Deep Work. And I just go underground. I go into my bat cave in the basement, and I'm like a horse with blinders for the next four to five hours. I'm podcasting. I'm blogging. I'm writing. I'm on phone calls you know i got a walking treadmill so i'll usually walk a good three or four miles during that time i have a headset and i'll dictate a lot of my emails or dictate some of the things i need to write uh so i so i move a lot while i'm down there working and then uh sometime around two i pop up and i have lunch and uh lunch very similar approach in the spring and the summer it's like a cold raw salad right like lots of vegetables from the garden and i typically top that with a with a can of wild planet anchovies or sardines or or a handful of seeds and nuts i like hemp seeds i like pine nuts i like macadamia i like baru i like tiger nuts you know I'll, i i try and Going keep very some, exotic with i try your nuts. And, yeah I, I like you know, almonds are boring let's face it what about so, cashews uh cashews uh they're, they're all right i'm not I'm not a huge fan i, I like, like cashews are making a little bit of a comeback they could be. Maybe that's I'll, just tell, I'll tell you how I like the cashews, the raw cakes. You know, I, I go to Helsinki. I speak at an event in Helsinki every year, and every coffee shop in Finland has these raw cakes. And usually, the 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 mix for the raw cakes is largely like a cashew, you know, like right. a cashew mix. And so, I'm a fan of cashews as an ingredient, but not simply as a uh, as, as something I'd sprinkle on top of a salad. I do like to take them in a mortar and pestle. And, and grind the cashews if I'm going to make a fish and dredge the fish through eggs and you can dredge it through a little coconut flour and then you sprinkle some cashews on top and then you then you fry your fish chef Ben so, Greenfield yeah, so it's a good way to do your cashews so uh see so yeah, I'm uh and, and then in, in the fall and the winter I'll take that same recipe and just a whole bunch of different vegetables seeds nuts fish etc and I just put it in a cast iron skillet and I'll cook that up with some herbs and some spices I'm a big fan of these no carbohydrate no calorie uh, Japanese yam noodles the shirataki noodles and, and you can you can buy these at most health food stores and they they don't have any calories they're just insoluble fiber but i'll, I'll put those on top of the salad and it makes it a little bit more filling and it's almost like eating pasta for lunch but there's you know it's just more fiber and they mm. taste great with noodles or, or with, with uh, the noodles taste great with fish seeds nuts things like that so i have that for lunch and then um then i usually take a nap and take I, a nap i do almost every single day 
about 20 to, to sometimes up to an hour. Uh, I go upstairs. I have one of these things called a biomat. It's like a, like a red infrared heat producing mat. And I lay down on that and I put on some relaxing sounds on some noise blocking headphones. I just lay there after lunch and sometimes I don't fall asleep. Sometimes I do, but that's my time to kind of check out. Uh, because often while I'm sitting there eating my lunch, you know, I'm a, I take a long time to eat a salad. I'm a big fan of enhancing your digestive enzyme production by chewing each bite 25 to 40 times. I always have bitters or digestifs before every meal or with the meal, like lemon, fennel, ginger. You know, mm-hmm. I've got all the spices in my cupboard. And uh, you can even keep uh, the pepper grinder you can take and put like coriander, caraway, fennel, different seeds in there that that would be like traditional Ayurvedic blends for enhancing digestion. And I'll sprinkle that on top of the salad. Uh, but, But I always try to enhance digestion by eating slowly. And so a lot of times during my salad, I'm reading emails. I'm kind of looking at what happened while I was down, just locked away with my phone off for the past four to five hours working. Uh, so it's not like I'm that relaxed during lunch. I'm not, I'm not doing anything stressful. I'm not a fan of eating in a stress state, but by the time lunch is over, I'm ready for a nap. So take a nap, get up, get more work done. You know, my kids come home from school. I usually work out with them and, you know, take them out in the forest and we shoot the bow and we do plant foraging and we'll meditate and just do all the things they're not learning at school. And then, um, like I mentioned, you know, usually everybody's off to piano or tennis or whatever. And, you know, I'm, I'm back working between about seven and eight to put out any last minute fires. And then dinner is the one meal that I will, I will consume ad libitum in terms of kind of ignoring macronutrients. Um, I, I still eat healthy food. You know, I say, if you're going to, if you're going to cheat, if you're going to have a big meal, at least have a big meal on, on good food, right? Mm-hmm. Like if, if I'm, if I'm going to cheat, I don't want something that's going to make me feel like shit for the next three days, right? <laughs> like I want to just have more of, you know, like a you know wonderful basket of sweet potato fries or, you know, or kale chips or, you know, I make a, a wonderful like grass-fed ribeye steak or something like that. Like that's that's what I'll, I'll cheat on. And uh, so dinner, uh, my wife is kind of a foodie. My children are, are taking, they're in a cooking class right now as we're speaking over, over with Chef David Boulay in, in uh, Tribeca. Or, or in uh, Flatiron. And um, so we usually all kind of pitch in for dinner. And it's, it's widely varied, but it's always real food. It's typically a lot of things that are fermented, soaked, sprouted. Usually we've always got sides of kimchi, sauerkraut, coconut yogurt, or homemade yogurt. We have goats and we have chickens. So a lot of times we've got things coming in from, from the yard. Most of the meat that we eat, I hunt. And so usually it's wild game uh, that we, we prepare along with vegetables. I don't eat any carbs, if you noticed. Uh, you know, side, There might be a few if there's a little bit of goji berry or something in the morning smoothie, but negligible until the very end of the day. And then I eat carbs ad libitum, meaning all the 100 to 200 grams of carbohydrates from sweet potatoes, yams, parsnips, beets, tubers, you know, rices, quinoa, amaranth, millet, you name it. And that kind of tops off my energy stores at the end of the day. It allows me to burn my own fat during the day rather than having to rely upon sugar that I've consumed or starches that I've consumed. Uh, when you have a little bit of carbohydrate in the evening, it enhances your serotonin release. So you sleep a little bit better later on at night. Uh, it tops off your energy stores for the next day's workout, prepares you for that you know, 12 to 16 hour fast that you're gonna do. And when you look at, when you look at our society, you know, the most social meal is typically dinner. And so I'd rather be pretty strict and regular with my meals, especially in terms of carbohydrates, up until dinner. And then it's dinner when I say, okay, maybe I'm at a, I'm at a party or I'm at someone's house or I'm at a social event or I'm at a restaurant. I want to be able to enjoy myself and indulge. And as long as I control myself the rest of the day, I'm in a position to be able to do that with dinner. And I also have a lot of digestifs and bitters before dinner. For example, um, 
you know, two that are very, very, very effective, almost as effective as the diabetic drug metformin, uh, berberine and mm-hmm. bitter melon extract. Both of those can lower your postprandial blood glucose. So if you're going to do something like I'm explaining and you're going to save all your carbohydrate intake for the end of the day, you can take something like that prior to the meal and it enhances your insulin response. It lowers your blood glucose after the meal. And so these carbohydrates that you're consuming are more likely to be partitioned into the liver and stored as liver glycogen or into the muscle and stored as muscle glycogen and not you know, just wind up in the bloodstream for a long period of time, you know, helping to oxidize cholesterol or you know, wind up getting converted to fatty acids and stored away as adipose tissue. So I think it's important, even when you're saving all your carbohydrates for the right. end of the day, to do as our ancestors would have done and include with dinner and, and with every meal, really, bitters, digestifs, things that enhance your insulin response, uh, things that allow you to digest the meal, especially as you age and you lose your hydrochloric acid production and your digestive enzyme production. I'm not opposed to the use of even supplements that contain digestive enzymes or hydrochloric acid, but I think you really should first turn to spices, lemon, apple cider vinegar, you know, a lot of these natural things that, that make the food taste better or make whatever cocktail that you have sure. before dinner taste better, uh, but that don't necessarily require you, you know, have to, to have, you know, carry three bottles of capsules to the restaurant every time you go right. to eat. So functional food is definitely a theme in how you eat. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. within functional food, are there underrated foods? And on the flip side, are there some overrated foods? Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think... When it comes to, well, let's talk about overrated foods first. Obviously, I, I think two of the biggest trends in the industry right now uh, would be keto and CBD. Mm-hmm. Keto and CBD. You see them everywhere right now. The, the time that we're recording this, it's like, you know, the ketogenic diet is one of the top search terms in Google. And as you know, people are putting CBD in their freaking dog food and their lipstick and their eyeshadow and, and their, you know, their, their ghee and everything else. So, um, when it comes to especially the ketogenic diet, I think a lot of these fats are overrated. A lot of these these MCT oils and coconut oils and, uh, you know, even even a lot of the butters, you know, unless it's like a dark yellowish orange grass-fed, grass-finished butter. And even that, when you look at a lot of these fats, um, people are consuming them in unparalleled quantities because they're, they're available to us now ad libitum packaged with the whole like keto label on them. You know, good for you. And, and yeah, in moderation, fats are good for you. But, you know, fats are, fats are nine calories a gram. They're twice as calorically intensive as, as a protein or a carbohydrate. Compared to the actual nutrients they contain, though, the caloric count is pretty high. You know, when, when, when you look at the nutrient density of a pile of wild plants and vegetables versus a spoonful of coconut oil, the vegetables win hand down at a far lower caloric cost. And I wrote an article about this on my website called The Dark Side of Coconut Oil in which they show that heavy consumption of saturated fats in particular in the absence of a high intake of plant matter, phytonutrients, flavonoids, polyphenols, actually becomes inflammatory in the gut. And so I think that we're now overemphasizing fat and underemphasizing plants to the extent to where we're actually producing gut inflammation. Uh, we're taking on too many calories without the actual nutrients on board. Uh, and, and I think people, if anything, if there was any fat that you were going to use uh, in, you know, quote, excess, unquote, it would be, again, what we see the Blue Zones doing, what we see in the Mediterranean diet, and that would be to have your salad in a giant freaking soupy bowl of extra virgin olive oil. 
What about avocados? Um, avocados are not bad as well. You know, if you can get your hands on like a good avocado right. or like a good dense green, uh, you know, it's not quite spicy like an extra virgin olive oil, but like a good avocado oil is not bad. But as far as the research goes, you know, from, from the oleic acid to, I, I believe it's oleoxanthin is how you pronounce the new compound that, that, that they're now talking about is a really good anti-inflammatory compound, anti-dementia, anti-Alzheimer's. You, you, you cannot beat olive oil. And furthermore... No, I fall into this category. Many people fall into the category of, of being a genetic type, uh, of, of an ApoE genetic type, ApoE34 or ApoE44. And this dictates, along with a gene for familial hypercholesteremia, uh, along with a gene called the PPAR gene, uh, along with the fact that a lot of people have low bile production, uh, low lipase production because their gallbladder or their liver is beat up. That's a huge issue now. Over 20% of people have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. There's a growing number of the population that either genetically or because of existing factors do not do well with a high intake of saturated fats in particular sure. and should limit those to be about 8% of the, the total amount of fat that they take in or less. And so I, I think that overrated are the coconut oils, the saturated fats, the ghees, the butters. Underrated are a lot of these monounsaturated fat sources, extra virgin olive oils, for example, along with plants, um, you know, high intake of wild plants, bitter plants. And it's interesting. I forget the name of the book, but there's a new book coming out that, that goes over a host of animal studies on an, how animals self-select food. And it turns out that when you pro provide a mineral and a multivitamin complex to an animal, it lowers the amount of new plants and phytonutrient-rich plants that it eats, the amount of wild plants that it would consume, the amount of nutrient-dense plants that it would consume, because it no longer has an inherent built-in desire or craving for those plants because it's gotten everything that it needed from a supplement. And when you look at fortified packaged foods, fortified with vitamins, fortified with minerals, you look at cereals that are now fortified, you look at the variety of done-for-you fortified meals that we can eat that are also calorically dense, what winds up is we lose our palate. We lose our craving right. for a lot of these nutrient-dense foods like the wild plants. So I think people need to need to restore to themselves a taste for plant matter, like, like you know, dandelion, nettle, mint, parsley, cilantro, thyme. Well, you know, a lot say, of these. What's, your, what's your favorite underrated vegetable? Nettle. Nettle. If you go out to my, my land out in Spokane. Can and, you pick up nettle and, like... Whole Foods Market, or you, you or, can, yeah, it's it's sold as like a testosterone, right. but you know, nettle seed. You know, I, I can, you know, you buy a forty dollar bottle of wild nettle extract from from you know from the health food store. I can go out to my land and and there's these enormous, you know, they grow as high as this boom mic in front of us, and the deer go out there and feed. I've got trail cameras out in the property. The big fat deer, they go out and they just they mow through this wild nettle. It's it's one of the highest protein and nutrient containing plants that you can get. It stings you when you try to pick it. So you gotta be kind of careful the way that you pick it. My kids will wear gloves when they get it. But you can just run your hands up the stock and these seeds just fly off. The you same thing same thing you're market. you're paying for at the grocery store. You can just you can harvest. You know, dandelion is another. Sure. It grows all over the place. It's one of the best That's things easy. you can do Everyone, for your liver. I feel like you can pick yeah. that up at any grocery yeah. market. Yeah, dandelion's not hard. Nettle's a little bit more difficult to find. But it, it tastes great. It's it's nutty. I'll, I'll put it in water, and you can kind of stew it over the countertop. It makes a nice tea, and then you can you can take the leaves that you stewed for the tea, and you put those in a smoothie for the fiber and to get some of the more nutrients out of them. So what about, so, you mentioned CBD. Yeah. 
you know, full disclosure, I ran a CBD company for a couple of years. It was my top selling product, but it was a pain in the ass because payment processors shut you down, banks shut you down. You got to change your URL. You got to well, change your brand, your brand name. It's, that's because Should it's technically hemp. illegal. If it's hemp, or then unless it's a difference. <laughs> unless it's hemp, and technically that's all semantics, right? And that, I don't understand why there's not more companies just saying, "Hey, we're hemp. We're not CBD. We're hemp." Well, CBD but, is part of the hemp plant, right? Right, yeah. exactly. So. Uh, the idea with CBD is, you know, I, I think very similar to psilocybin, we're only at the cusp of discovering everything that the endocannabinoid system can do for you. Uh, and there are a host of molecules that, that exist in the plant in addition to CBD and THC that we haven't even yet begun to study. Right. That pharmaceutical companies have not patented in the same way that they've patented CBD. Well, GW... Yeah, GW uh, patented CBD, particularly for the use of inflammation, I believe. Yeah. So you can still you can still market and sell as long as you're not selling CBD as an, as an anti-inflammatory supplement. Uh, it's efficacious. Most people who try it and don't see results did not use enough. A lot of people, who, especially who use it for sleep, that's one of the biggest pain points. You need to use— For some people, it can keep them up. That it, it's, it it's, can, yeah, it can especially in small amounts. You know, it's it's um, you know, kind of like L-theanine in that respect. You need to take about 100 milligrams or more. To, to really, truly get a good deep sleep effect. And the interesting thing is that, that weed, uh, you know, THC-rich strain, sativa strain, anything like that, that actually disrupts deep sleep cycles pretty intensely. Right. As soon as you remove the THC and you just do CBD, about 100 milligrams, fantastic for sleep. Um, but do you I, think it's I, a little I, I am a fan of it. I don't, I don't think that's overrated. You know, I, I said it was trendy it. and it's popular, but I actually don't think it's overrated. I think it's a very efficacious supplement. Anytime something gets over-marketed, I kind of cringe a little bit. You know, like when we, I was just in the, the you know, the um, InScape over in, sure. in Flatiron. I just walked my kids through there to show them the dome. I wanted to show them the meditation dome. And, of course, you walk through it's there cool. and they got the, yeah. the CBD ghee and the CBD coconut oil and the CBD coffee. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a capitalist. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just fine if you want to create a bunch of compounds that have CBD in them. But it still just kind of irks me a little bit to just sure. see. Well, like the whole legal, like hemp versus CBD, I think is interesting. I think most people don't know the difference. And like mm-hmm. hemp's legal and the whole, yeah. like, you know, where you source it from, all that stuff. Where it's like a lot of the CBD being sourced in the U.S. Like, do you really yeah. know where it's coming from? Exactly. And, and, like, and, and it, you don't. It's got to be pesticide and herbicide free. Right. It's, it's just like wine. You know, I, I love wine. I'm a fan of what wine can do for you. But same thing. Not all yeah. wine is created equal. Not all CBD is created equal. And so, you know, yeah, two trendy things in the industry. Keto, uh, overrated CBD, probably underrated. And so mention CBD, I'll segue to, to like supplements because you mentioned you also mentioned NR, NAD. Like what do you think is interesting and trending and what do you think is eh, a little mm-hmm. overrated? Yeah. Um, in terms of ingredients, all that stuff. When you look at the research on supplements, the stuff that, that just has almost almost an ironclad body of research behind it for, for efficacy, we always come down to, to the same main compounds. Uh, we know that a good omega-3, mm-hmm. a good omega-3, either, either a vegan-based omega-3 from some type of algal oil or krill, uh, or a fish oil, if it's from a, from a fish lower down in the chain, like a sardine or an anchovy, and it's not rancid, and preferably it's in its triglyceride form, as you'd find it in nature, and ideally packaged with the type of things that fish use to to protect uh, the oil from becoming rancid. You know, tocopherols or uh, astaxanthin, any of these type of yeah. things. If you got a good fish oil, fish oil's got a lot of good research behind it. Creatine's another 
I mean, creatine, no need to load it, no need to, to do any fancy cycling. Five grams of creatine a day for the nootropic benefits, for staving off sarcopenia. Um, you know, obviously the sports performance benefits are well known, but it's safe, it's easy, it's, it's affordable. Uh, so fish oil and creatine are, are two that, that I use, I'm a huge fan of. And just about everything from there on out comes down to customization. So you asked about one that's, that's overhyped, vitamin D, for example. You look at vitamin D. Now, I carry the gene because I've, I've done extensive genetic testing. My body does not make much vitamin D from sunshine. It just doesn't. Right. I don't carry the gene that allows for that conversion. So a vitamin D supplement actually is something that's a wise choice for me. Um, you know, I could also get by with a high intake of mushrooms, for example, which have a lot of vitamin D or you know, do a lot of you know, liver, for example. But vitamin D supplementation for me, because I've tested and found that I carry that gene, is something that I would do as a wise choice other people who don't have that problem who are popping vitamin d like candy 2000 4000 6000 10000 units a day that can draw calcium into the bloodstream and cause calcification of the arteries and people like my vitamin d is at 100 i'm doing great anything above 80 that's actually a risk factor for cardiovascular disease especially if the vitamin d is taken in the absence of vitamin k2 you look at the, the lion's share of the multivitamins out there and most of them, if you look at the label, they've got 2,000, 4,000 vitamin D and almost no K2. Yeah, I'm not a fan and, of multis. Yeah, they're, they're poorly formulated. Yeah. And there's, there are a few good ones out there. But ultimately, uh, vitamin D is one that can be efficacious, but that you also need to be careful with, which is why I think that personalization and customization, testing your body. I mean, I do a blood test quarterly. I do a, a poop test once a year to look at bacteria, yeast, fungus, biome. Uh, I do a, a urinary hormone test called a Dutch test, also once a year. That's testosterone, melatonin, estrogens, but it's very accurate. You know, right. blood, blood's a snapshot. Urine can show you not just the hormones, but also their metabolites, how quickly they're being broken down. Uh, and then I do um, you know, the salivary test. That's once in a lifetime, really, you know, the genetic test. But you know, I do blood. I do saliva for the genetics, urine for the hormones, and then stool. And once I have those values, I, I know what I can and cannot take. Another one that, that's overhyped is probiotics, for example. You know, you I just know mentioned what you're biome testing. Strains. Well, you not only got to know which strains, but there's very little evidence that any of these strains even populate the gut. People are saying, well, I'm so I did my microbiome testing with whatever, you know, American Gut Project or Ubiome or Viome or whatever. And so I have these results and it says I'm low in this bacteria. Well, I should go out and take this probiotic, right? That's logical. That seems to make sense. But there's no evidence that by going out and taking that bacteria, you're actually going to affect any positive change. That, that it's actually going to populate your gut or that it's going to produce a change in, you know, IBS or IBD or anything like that. So I think that delivery mechanisms for probiotics need to be improved. I think that people would do a much better job eating a wide variety of fermented foods, going outside, getting in the dirt. We know exercises increases the... Uh, the diversity of your biome. We know that sunlight increases the diversity of your biome. I think probiotics as opposed to natural living are also overhyped. Well, natural living and, and fermented foods, sure. a wide variety of fermented foods. Um, so yeah, probiotics and, and vitamin D are a little overhyped. Uh, I think that, that care for digestion though via supplementation is smart, like I was mentioning earlier. You know, If you're not doing a lot of bitters and digestives, I'm a fan of digestive enzymes. I'm a fan of bile extracts. I'm a fan of HCL. We just live in a society where so many people are stressed, eating on the run. I think it's better living through science and allows us to fight the battle that we're fighting in a post-industrial era where a lot of times, you know, if we want to eat, we're eating on the fly. 
And I think the enzymes right. can help out with something like that. Well, I think the personalization yeah. thing is super interesting. I know I'm going to talk about like trends and what's exciting. And we talked about this before. It's like what Thorne is doing, I think is interesting because it's personalized yes. with supplement. Like I do you need to know what you need. And like, that's the next phase of supplementation. Yeah. yeah. You really need um, to know. Either nutrigenomics, customization of your nutrition protocol based on your genetics or customization based, based on your blood work and biomarkers. You mentioned Thorne. Uh, and you know, for example, they're they're one of several companies that are trying to make it easier for a consumer to test, and then easier to develop custom nutrition protocols based on the testing, uh, food protocols, and also supplement protocols. And, and I think that that's that's wise. I think that we are getting towards the end of an era where there's a bunch of bottles on a shelf and you just kind of buy the ones at the grocery store that you feel like should be right for you. You actually have your custom suite. I think delivery mechanisms will change a lot too. I think encapsulation technology versus liposomal technology, patch technology, uh, liquid delivery technology. You know, I, I think capsules are probably going to be something that we eventually are able to get rid of, which means we can get rid of maltodextrin, we can get rid of magnesium stearate, we can get rid of all the waste from the from the you know the veg- vegetable capsules or the gelatin capsules. I, I just don't see encapsulation. As, what do you as, think we're like three years away? I don't know. Year, I, two I, years. Know. I, I mean, honestly, you know, you look at companies, you know, like uh, you know, like. Chris Shade at, at Quicksilver Scientific, like his entire, I don't think he has a single capsule he now sells. Like it's all just liposomal. You just squirt it under your tongue. Right. right? And, um, you know, I, I personally don't take a multivitamin anymore, I, but I I do two push IVs a week. Right? Like I just get a, a push IV and I realize that's extreme. A lot of people are going to do that, but they, I mean, that, that's a, a more advanced delivery mechanisms. But I mean, there, there are people who, who I know just like better living through science. So I have a nurse practitioner right. come over to the house, give them their IV and you're good to go. You know, it's, a lot of uh, people can't do that, though. Yeah, yeah, that's that's, that's why I, cl- I clarified. Yeah, yeah, that, I realize that's a, that's a little that's a little out there, but I think that you know via patch delivery technology, or possibly even in the future, like some kind of micro needle technology, we can get to the point where you can deliver a lot of this stuff into the bloodstream. So you mentioned quickly. science. Like, what's really interesting to you right now? Where you're like, oh wow, like th- this, I'm going to follow this, or maybe over here, not so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's a lot going on in, in science right now. Uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to you know just the emerging body of research on light, how profound an impact light has on our biology, uh, and and how deleterious it is if we don't choose the right. And I realize we're, we're getting off the supplement bandwagon, but um, red light therapy, infrared light therapy, uh, going through your house and replacing all your bulbs, LED bulbs uh, or fluorescent bulbs with just natural full-spectrum incandescent bulbs, uh, in the bedrooms red incandescent bulbs, uh, because we're looking at screens that our retinas really haven't evolved to be able to deal with in terms of the flicker and the glare, using uh, blue light blocking glasses with a clear lens during mm-hmm. the day, which is important because it'll disrupt your circadian rhythm if you're wearing yellow and orange during the day, but you save your yellow. So you have two pairs of blue light blocking glasses, right? If you're living in a state a lot of us are living in, which means we're staring at screens a lot of the time, right? So you wear your clear ones during the day, then you use yellow or orange at night. You get exposure to as much red light at night as you can. I think everyone should have some kind of a red light panel or red light therapy in their bedroom or somewhere where they can expose themselves to it because we know that that can reverse a lot of the effects of blue light and artificial light that you're exposed to during the day. And then you get as much sunlight as you can in the morning, which enhances your deep sleep cycles later on at night, your circadian rhythm. And so there's now companies making, you know, uh, photobiomodulation units. There's sauna companies that are you know, now doing like a chromotherapy built into the sauna, near infrared, red, far infrared. 
uh, these, these light panels that you can put in your office or hang on your wall for red light therapy. Uh, I use all that stuff. Um, you know, I've had clients who I've, I've had convert their homes and begin to use red light at night, sunlight in the morning, uh, incandescent in the homes. And you watch the sleep cycles, and it's, it's almost magical how much they regulate with no other significant lifestyle changes. So photobiomodulation is one that I like. Um, as far as, as another technology, obviously stem cells are a big right. deal now. Um, I'd be remiss not to mention those. I think that uh, the the practice of people going out. I mean, my wife literally today is in Utah getting her face shot up with you know fat cells from her butt. Like that's you know, and people are all you know they're doing these procedures uh, primarily with autologous stem cells, right? Fat cells very high in what are called mesenchymal stem cells (MSCs). Uh, bone not quite as high, but a little bit easier to harvest. You know, people are going in and getting these procedures. But I think what we should be keeping our eyes on in the stem cell sector is the fact that. Uh, not only are we finding a growing number of compounds, many I mentioned in my smoothie, such as colostrum, chlorella, marine phytoplankton, you coffee like the berry sea veggies. extract. Yeah, a lot of these can actually increase your own endogenous stem cell health or bioavailability or production. Another thing that can do it is a pulsed electromagnetic field therapy. So I have these no are like, idea what that is. So it's called. You may have heard of. You may have heard of it as, as luddite. Freaking luddite. PEMF. PEMF is, is okay. also what it's known as. And you can buy these beds or mats or grounding units. I travel with one. I sleep on one every night at home. And they simulate the effects of sleeping on the ground, all the anti-inflammatory benefits you'd get if you were camping or grounding or earthing. But they concentrate it in a, in a more concentrated format. And you can also adjust your frequency, like a 3 hertz frequency for sleep or a 10 hertz frequency for focus or a 100 hertz frequency for muscle issues. But if you use PMF, it also increases your stem cell health. And so that, that's another one. Uh, but then finally, for stem cells, there's two molecules, one called exosomes and one called uh, V-cells. These are harvested usually, uh, in the case of exosomes, from uh, placental tissue, from like screen placental tissue, do not require you to go out and give your own fat, get liposuction, you know, have a needle pushed into your bone, you know, in your hip to harvest the marrow for the stem cells. You can literally just go in and get a procedure, you know, an anti-aging procedure where you could, you can I'd, I'd rather just take an R. Yeah, you could also just take an arm. I mean, I've, I've I'll done... Ta- I'll just take the capsule. I've, I've, I've done it all. And I, I would say one of the more profound things I've done for my recovery and for, you know, I test my telomere length. I use a company called Tello Years. I test my telomere length. And the one thing that, that brought me down the most as far as my biological age... So what's was, your biological age? stem cell injection. It's at 20 right now. How Last old are you I really? Tested, I'm 37. 37 so, for 20. Yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and a bit, one thing that moved the dial a lot was the stem cells. But I understand again, you know, kind of similar to getting an IV. Like those are, those are expensive. But that's what I'm saying is that I think exosomes and V cells and some of these molecules that give you the same thing as stem cells, without stem cells. So what do you say to the average person? Is so you do this like full time? Like you're all in. You know what's going on. You have a lot of time to, yeah. to spend on this stuff. What do you say to the average person who's listening? Who's you know works full time, has kids. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't have a lot of free time. Yeah. They're like, I love everything this guy's saying, but like, yes. I don't have the time. Like, what, what are a couple things that like anyone, anywhere, doesn't matter where they live, doesn't matter, you know, how many yeah. resources they have, what could they do tomorrow? It all comes down to your mitochondria. If you can care for your mitochondria, you know, you're going to hit the 80-20, right? You're going to get 80% of the results from 20% of the work. When it comes to mitochondria, and free, you know, free or relatively inexpensive things that you can do to enhance mitochondrial health. I'll give you five. Uh, the first would be sunlight. 
we know that sunlight charges the human battery. We know the human body is a battery. We know the whole idea of a sodium potassium pump on the cell membrane is old news, old research. That's not how the body works. The, every cell has an aqueous gel matrix of water that surrounds it. And the only way that uh, minerals, electrolytes can move in and out through the cell membrane is when you are adequately hydrated with adequate minerals and adequate exposure to near and far infrared light, UVA and UVB radiation. So sunlight is number one, but that sunlight must be paired with adequate water intake. So don't only get out in the sun, but drink good, pure, natural water that's preferably filtered. Uh, if you can get either structured water or hydrogen-rich water, I think those are the two healthiest forms of water to drink. You don't have to do that. I realize now we're getting into spending a little bit more money, right. but even just like a good, you know, ditch the plastic water, try and go with a Pellegrino or a Gerald Steiner, get a water filter like, like an AquaTrue or an undercounter reverse osmosis unit or a structured water filter. Those are very affordable. Something that cleans up the water that you're drinking. So How many glasses? In the sunlight, get water. You know, the, the whole number of glasses, things that w it widely varies. I'll tell you what's more important. What's more important is that you get minerals along with the water. Because if you get minerals along with the water, you got to drink a lot less water than you think. But I'm assuming one glass yeah. is not enough. Yeah. I'm saying no. ballpark, okay, so six ball, to eight. Ballpark, let's say you're not sweating heavily. It's your weight in pounds right. divided by two. That's how many ounces. So okay. you weigh 180 pounds divided by that in two is 90, 90 ounces of water a day. So you're looking at 10 glasses. You always got to put things in terms of Starbucks, right? Like 10 small Starbucks latte size glasses of water okay, per day so 10 glasses yeah. okay um that would be you know dependent on weight but the minerals are important you know my house i've got celtic sea salt uh which is, which is very it's cleaner than himalayan uh i've got uh there, there are companies that make like very like mineral rich solutions like uh, aqua true has mineral drops or, or quintron has like this hypertonic seawater like solution you can buy uh these salt crystals called sole and you can put them in a mason jar and put the water on top of those but getting a lot of good minerals in the diet not only from a high intake of plants but also trace liquid mineral drops putting a little bit of sea salt in each glass of water very, very good for, again, charging the human battery when you combine that with water and sunlight. Okay. What's so number three? Water, sunlight, minerals, grounding or earthing, meaning getting outside sure. in your bare feet, trying to get in touch with the planet every day. And there are multiple ways to do that. You know, yesterday's workout for me was I brought my kids to the park and I chased them all around the park and, you know, I'm doing pull-ups and crawling through tunnels, but I took my shoes off and I was crawling around on my hands. So I had a good half hour where I was running around in the park and I was in touch with the planet. And I try and figure out some way every day where I can touch Mother Earth and actually gather a lot of the, you know, a lot of the negative ions, a lot of the anti-inflammatory potential, a lot of its ability to be able to reset the human battery, even more important if you fly. So sunlight, water, minerals, grounding and earthing, the last one people don't like as much, but it, the number of health benefits from the boost in metabolic rate to the, the uh, increase in brain-derived neurotrophic factor to simulating a lot of the effects of fasting to losing weight to enhancing nitric oxide production, which is like Viagra for your whole body, is cold taking a cold shower at least know, once a day, love those. either a cold shower or going for you know, going for a walk in the cold. Like if you're here in New York City, you put on gloves, you put on a hat, you put on your pants, but you wear a t-shirt, right? And you, you walk your two miles to work or whatever in your t-shirt. So you're kind of cold and people pay 70 bucks to go to a cryotherapy so, chamber and we got one for free right so outside. So how long is it for the cold shower? 10 seconds, 30 I, seconds? I, I go about two minutes. 
How about the and and mostly the the only reason I don't go five, which is a lot of the you know a lot of the research is like five minutes more. I just don't want to waste water. I feel like I'm wasting water from Santa. What's the minimum? Is it like thirty seconds? It's two minutes really. You you need to get a good two minutes of cold exposure, and you can when you're first easing into go back and forth, do twenty seconds of hot and ten seconds. It's like the one thing I'll just never do it. I hate cold showers. It's just not. I'll do everything else. Everything else. I used to say the same thing. I just yeah. can't. I have like, for me, maybe it's a little bit of bad memories playing basketball in high school and college and going yeah. to like bad gyms yeah. where it's like, oh, fuck, we have yeah. to take a cold shower before we're getting a fucking bus or a I plane for two hours. I'm like, oh, it's like, it's just like bad. I, I get it. You need to unleash your inner beast. You need to shut up your inner bitch. You need to get in the cold shower. Okay. Just do it. So I, I have faith so, in you. So last question. So a lot going on with you personally. Just talk about like, what, what are you up to these days? Uh, your company, Keon, like what can we expect from you in 2019 and beyond? What I'm most excited about, uh, in addition to Ke- Keon's my playground for supplement formulations. So right now I'm developing an anti-aging and longevity formulation, actually. Uh, based on a, a lot of the ingredients I've been researching, you know, I'd, I want people to be able to, to have my smoothie in a pill, right, or in, a, right. in one of those other delivery mechanisms that we talked about. So, you know, we, we do a coffee and a, and a clean food uh, energy bar, and, you know, we've got a few different supplements from Your colostrum great. to fish oil. Thank you. Thank you. It makes it really, really large. What do you call the, the head of the espresso, the, the crema? Yep. It's like twice as high when you make a coffee with, with the Keon coffee. Uh, but I, uh, for the past two years, uh, three to five hours a day, I've been working on a book, um, heavily researched, over 3,000 scientific references. It's over 1,000 pages long right now, so a lot will go to the cutting room floor. Wow. It's a complete guide to mind, body, and spirit optimization. My what about last, the green? My last book. My last book. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The mind, body, and, and green <laughs> spirit optimization. Um, my last book, Beyond Training, it was a New York Times bestseller, but it, it was really targeted towards how athletes and how exercise enthusiasts could gain maximum fitness without destroying their bodies in the process. All the things that go beyond training. And this next book, I wanted to, to bring in a lot more updated research Focus on a lot more of this concept of marrying ancestral wisdom to modern science, uh, bringing a lot of spirituality, gratitude, energy medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, a lot of these more spiritual Eastern concepts that I didn't weave into that first book that I wrote on, on fitness. And so uh, every New York publishing house turned it down because it was too big, too complex, too much, right? I, they wanted to dumb it down. And so... I wound up working with a publisher, and uh, we're going to publish this thing as about a 550-page, 8.5 by 11, full-color, hardcover, big, beautiful coffee table, Costco-style book, you know, $60 price point, so it's not going to be inexpensive. But at the same time, it is basically the last book you'd ever need as a blueprint for optimizing not just your body, but also your brain, and then also enhancing your longevity and your happiness by being able to practically understand a lot of these things that blue zones are doing and also be able to practically implement a lot of this more modern science along the way. So that should come out in about so in mid 2019, so June six, 19, six, six, seven months or so Got it. around revitalize. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> It'll bring a couple, couple pre pre copies. Well, that's very exciting. I'm looking forward yeah. to reading that book. Sounds like it's an awesome project. And I'll, that's, I'll that's send, a, I'll send a, you one. Post, my, postage will be half. I love it. My one. type of dense read. <laughs> yeah. Ben Greenfield, thanks so much. Thanks, man. Thanks, guys. Fun. <laughs>